Listener Production. Hinge has included a section where you can choose your own relationship structure there. Tinder has done also as well. You can put down there that you open relationship, but it still doesn't work as well as having an actual space specifically for this community. G'day, I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer and the host of The Good Oil. Now, welcome to the podcast. If you're not familiar with the phrase, giving someone the good oil is giving them the good stuff, the important stuff and the real stuff, which is the aim of our podcast. We bring you conversations with entrepreneurs, with executives and experts, the people who know what's going on and the people who make things happen. Today's guest is someone in that latter category as well as the other two, of course, in a very specific part of both the market he operates in and, of course, our society. Now, quick heads up, the podcast today might cover some adult concepts. So if you're listening with someone who maybe is a bit more delicate, feel free. We're not going to get too, uh, too carried away with it, but just, just so you're aware of what we will be chatting about. If you are listening with others, particularly in the car or at home, uh, you are aware. All right. With that out of the way, Bill Schwab is the CEO and founder of an app whose name gives you a pretty good sense of what it's about. It's called Monogamish. Bill Schwab, welcome to The Good Oil. Thank you, mate. Let's let's kick off with, uh, frankly, a uh, clever name. Monogamish, it's a dating app, but it's a dating app with a very specific intention. We, we talk about being monogamish. You say a, a couple who maybe are happy to, to find other partners or, or find other relationships as part of that. There's been apps out there, the so-called cheating apps. This isn't one of those, is it? That's correct. Yeah, no, it's not because we have a relationship-based focus towards the application. Um, we're wanting to have our couples and, and, and our users be open and honest and ethical about what they're doing. Uh, we don't condone uh, cheating or infidelity. So, so let's let's get into that, mate. There's been a lot of dating apps, uh, hookup apps, everything in between, right? I'm I'm old enough to remember RSVP.com.au when that was a thing, and I think eHarmony was the other one. Uh, I may or may not learning a little bit too much about me. I may or may not have used one of those uh, back in the old days when I was at new in town in, in Melbourne, where I was at the time. Um, a lot has changed, and not much has changed. What led you to decide there was a gap in the market, both for the people who use your app and, of course, for Monogamish as a business itself? Yeah, it came from a, a personal experience, actually. Uh, my last relationship was my first non-monogamous relationship. Um, and with that came the experience that we found it difficult to find other people that were sort of like-minded uh, or on the same level as us. Um, a lot of the other you know, threesome apps or open apps were quite sex-focused. And that's not what I was looking for. And so when I identified this gap in the market, I thought, you know, well, let's give it a go. We'll try and create something ourselves. Mate, what I, what I was I found interesting, so again, you know, we're, we're going to talk about this. This is a, a business podcast. And of course, it's also, though, part of what's been talked about a lot recently in the popular press. Um, polyamory is one one kind of term that gets thrown around, poly being many, of course, and amory or amorous being love. So that kind of idea of the non-traditional relationship i suppose is is maybe the best way for many of our listeners to kind of get their heads around what this is about and i think that sounds like what you kind of identified there were people out there who were saying i don't want to have to use you know an app and try and somehow explain that i'm not looking for a traditional relationship i don't just want to jump on a hookup app and you know kind of go down that path there is something 
in between that space. Um, tell us a bit about the the kind of the the, the group or the, the market size, the opportunity. I, I, partly, I feel a bit guilty describing people's relationships as, as a market opportunity, but that's exactly what it is. That's why you have the app in the first place. But it also maybe is a chance for some of our listeners to find out a little more about different relationships, different things that people are, are looking for. Yeah, okay. So you, it's good you mentioned polyamory. Polyamory is a relationship structure where three people or more can be in a physical and both an emotional relationship with one another. Um, so it's not just the physical part it, it, um, where that's what monogamy is. is. Um, we found a lot of people being open. Um, it's definitely a trending type of topic, uh, particularly after COVID. People had a lot of uh, desires and fantasies that uh, they hadn't accomplished uh, or hadn't tried yet. Um, and so when they had the fear of COVID and uh, the fear of uncertainty, they thought, you know what? you know, stuff this, so I want to go out there and do what I want to try. Um, so, yeah, for sure. yeah, that's right. It's kind of, it's, it, it, people are definitely more open and um, understanding of the dynamics a little bit more now. Nice. Now, we'll get back to that. I, I, I'm always interested when we, we have these uh, conversations. I talk about the entrepreneurs themselves, not about your, your personal life, but about your business life. Um, obviously, most of these things come from normally personal experience of identifying a gap in the market, seeing an opportunity. There's that, that kind of idea of, hey, why doesn't this exist? I might go and do it. There have been so many different uh, businesses and products and services that have come from exactly that sort of idea. Um, but but before that, on, on a professional level, mate, what what drove you to decide, you know what, I'm, well, firstly, what were you doing? And then how do you decide to, to throw all that in and say, actually, what I'm going to do is become an entrepreneur or continue to become an entrepreneur, uh, build a, a new business in this particular area. What, what was that kind of, what, what's your background been and how did you get to, to the point of, of founding Monogamish as, as a business, not just uh, a relationship opportunity? Yeah, sure. Um, so my background is uh, I've been in management more recently. The most recent role is I was a general manager for a relatively large security company um, operating all of, in all of Australia. And I was overseeing Victoria and South Australia for them. Three, 400 staff below me. Uh, we had a big hospitality operations um, specific. So that's what kind of opened up the opportunity for me to explore this uh, when we had COVID because nothing in hospitality was open. <laughs> right, exactly. You found you had time on your hands. Yeah, I found myself with a lot of time on my hands. So for the first two months, it was a bit all, I don't know what's going on. Don't, don't know what's going to happen. And then after the, on the third month, everything kind of settled down and we kind of knew that we were in for a long ride. And then that kind of gave me the opportunity to sit down and, and be like, you know what, I've, I've, I've been entrepreneurial in the past. I've, I've had a business on the side with an ex-partner and things like that. So yeah, yeah. it just gave me the right, right time to sort of explore this and give it a go. Nice. Now, mate, you, you've kind of jumped backwards and forwards between entrepreneurship and and I'll call it, I'll call it traditional management or traditional business. Um, I am I am curious. I guess the I don't know if entrepreneurs can be made or whether they're just born. You know, when I speak to many entrepreneurs on this podcast in particular, very few of them this is their first rodeo. They, they've they've done something similar before. Uh, I, I host another podcast called Motley Fool Money with with Andrew Page who who runs Strawman.com. Uh, he had a coffee shop before he went in the investing scene and then, you know, kind of did that for a while and went back out and just kind of scratched that itch again. Um, was was that something that was already, you know, you, you're running security, you're obviously a big business, 400-odd people working for you. Was there always that in the back of your mind if I'm going to do this again? Or, you know, looking back, does it feel inevitable or was it one of those things where it literally was no particular plans but it just kind of turned up? No, I, I definitely the former. So I definitely was an entrepreneur at heart. I think I've, I've always wanted to sort of do something different and, and do something myself in my entire life, uh, as far as I can remember. Even being part of the system and being just an employee, I've always strived to be at the top. 
always wanted to get to management. Even when I was younger, I had high ambitions and, uh, um, yeah, they definitely would make fun of me when I was younger because I was too, too ambitious and not enough experience. <laughs> so, especially family would, would, would sort of make fun of me a little bit. But um, joke's on them because, uh, yeah, the experience right. and the, the constant drive to be wanting to do something in the entrepreneurial space is definitely paying off. So um, I think it's it's all about of failure. It's all about learning from failure. And so you you have that desire and that drive to sort of be entrepreneur, entrepreneurial and you just keep keep going at it. I, uh, you're probably too young, mate, to have ever watched Family Ties, but I have I have the, I have vision of Bill Schwab as a young Alex P. Keaton uh, ro- rolling around on his on his wheelie chair in, in his house of people who are saying, "You'll never be anything." He's like, "No, I'm going to be. I'm I'm going to get this. I'm going to make this happen." <laughs> is that uh, is that is that is that close to to what the young Bill Schwab was like? Yeah, it sounds it sounds it sounds. I've never seen the show, but that sounds like it sounds like it would be right. <laughs> Do yourself a favor, mate. Be prepared for some 80s fashion, though. Hey, um, so so I guess t- talk to me about the, the transition backwards and forwards there. You you said you had a business before. You then go, you know, working in management security company, you're coming back out again. Um, is, it, is it, I mean, is it stultifying to work in a big kind of organization? In, in security, obviously, I assume there's lots of regulation, lots of human resource management, lots of that sort of stuff. Backwards and forwards, it, most people would struggle. I assume to make that transition once, let alone go back and forwards. Do you do you find you've got different parts of yourself you can turn on, turn off? Is it a case of the same skills but in different settings? How, how does that kind of feel going? And then you know, again, going from that four hundred person team to one person, and then starting again. <laughs> it is the goal was because the operations in security is you, you're trading people's time for money, whereas this is more. It, it, it's uh, more something scalable, um, so you can get away with having a smaller team and, and a larger operations. Whereas in security, you, you need the manpower, so it's a little bit different. But there are definitely, like you said, there are skills that are transferable over. Um, my management styles and things like this that are worse in security are definitely working in in the dating space as well, um, and they're both quite challenging. I, I wasn't expecting that the dating industry to be this challenging. But coming from a very competitive market in the security space, in there being the small niche of hospitality in particular, finding things that would work for us in the in the in the uh, security things, there's a similar type of challenges that we're facing in the dating space. So I'm used to it. Um, I'm up for the challenge, and I, I just need a bit of more time. That's it. <laughs> Nice. Mate, talk, talk to me about your, your background. I'll get back to the – you mentioned the challenges and, and similar challenges of dating space. We'll get back to the business itself in a minute. I, I don't, again, because you've done it before, maybe maybe this is old hat. Maybe you're, it was easy. But if I think about – like, oh, you know, I'd like to think I could do something like that. But if I had to sort of walk out of this job, you know, an empty office, say, right, now it's just me. Let's build this thing, whatever that thing was. You kind of got to be all things to all people for a while. You've got to find a way to kind of scale that business. And scaling, as you say, is not overly difficult these days with a whole lot of services and and tools and all that kind of stuff. But you do have to have a finger in every pie and enough of a finger, enough knowledge, enough information to know kind of what what reins to pull, what you know, what buttons to press. Uh, I'll leave the metaphors there. The, how do you, how did you find that, mate? When you when you literally say, right, sorry guys, I'm out of here. Uh, security was great, but I'm going to do this thing. You sit down at a desk. It's an empty desk. You know, maybe there's a computer on there. Maybe there's not even that. And you sort of try and build this thing. Do you have a tech background? Did you have to recruit that that skill set? How do you go about building a, a startup like this from scratch? Yeah, great question. It, it's a bit of transitioning, so you definitely can't cut your ties, you know, and and and, flop and switch over to something that's nothing. So we were looking after an office and making sure no staff were getting to that office and making it COVID safe and all that kind of stuff. So there was a little bit of work, but it was 
relatively quiet. So I was able to work on two businesses at the same time. But at the start, yeah, you mentioned wearing different hats. Um, that, and that's definitely an entrepreneurial type of habit um, that you definitely need to, to get to, to learn. Because at the start, yeah, you're right. You, you can't be spending too much money um, on other people doing things um, for you that are relatively quite simple to learn. I would say if you're new in the space and you're wanting to sort of explore this, accelerators and um, those type of programs are really are really helpful. Some are free, some are, some are paid for, and you need to sort of like weigh up your options. There's definitely avenues and, and um, groups and things like that that will be able to help you and help transition and answer those que- those questions for, for people that want to start. Mate, um, let's go over to the kind of the build it and they will come idea. You've got a, you've got a business and, a, and an app that... You know, these are wonderful business models. The idea of that kind of network effect of, you know, the more people who are looking for somebody, the more chance they'll find somebody and vice versa, right? But someone's got to be first. Someone's got to get on the app the first time around. You built this great thing. So this is this is my idea. This is how the app is going to work. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, you've got to kind of build a build a, an audience. You've got to build a market or you've got to find, help that market find you. Um, at the same time, as, you, as you've already said, you're paying the bills, doing what needed to be done. So I guess two-part two question, mate. Firstly, how did you decide on structure? Do you, have, you, have you had other investors in the business? How are you planning to build this out? I don't want you to give away stuff you're not prepared to share, of course. It's, you've got competitors. But but what's what's that kind of been like, trying to right-size the the funding model to, to give yourself a, a really good chance to, to grab this market? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we started out um, with an MVP, and that's that's what I would recommend with everyone. You just try and minimize the cost as much as possible, create a small basic model like a beta version. And we released it on the Apple only because when I did a bit of marketing test, we saw that most of the users in the US, and US being our target, my main target market because there's so many users there, um, was that most of the users in the US were on Apple. Uh, so we created an Apple version only, launched it on Apple Store, and then just let it pick up organically. I didn't have much funding because I, it actually cost me a little bit to get the trademark of the name. I was really worried about um, it, you know getting in trouble for using the name Monogamish. Um, and so I spent most of my money, uh, my initial capital on getting the trademarks in a couple of countries first, um, which meant that the app was quite basic to begin with. Um, which was fine because we without the, the budget of, sp- uh, of marketing spends, uh, the graph, the, the app grew quite organically um, in the 18 months that we were on the beta version only. We grew past 5,000 users, um, and that was a pretty good indication that there, there was something there. Um, a lot, a, some of those users were paying users as well. And then what I ended up doing was I, I did, yeah, I did a, a friend and family round of funding um, and was able to raise a little bit of capital so that way we could take this thing seriously and and, and move it in the direction that we're. Have a vision. When you think about the approach of, of raising capital, building the business, you talk about the trademarks and everything you got to do. You mentioned the you mentioned the US opportunity, and one of the great things for for, for your business, online businesses in general, is and particularly where there is a bit of regulation. We'll talk about in a minute, but where there's not particularly high barriers to entry. You can effectively turn on a global business or a globally focused business from you know the proverbial bedroom or garage or, or you know living room dining room table. Um, how, how much was that part of your thinking? You mentioned the US, obviously your largest target market, very very big consumer market, three hundred million odd people. Uh, not all of those probably going to be using monogamy anytime soon, but right. but a decent enough subset that it really makes a difference. I, I guess for an Australian entrepreneur. 
the ability to launch a, a global or at least a multinational product really does allow you to kind of set your sights higher than saying, well, how many are there in Australia who'd use this? You get to say, well, there's 7 billion people in the world. You can, you can divide that slice at half a dozen ways and then still say there's plenty left. Was that always kind of necessary in terms of the way you were thinking about monogamish? Yes, it was. And that was one of the, the, the things that was a prerequisite when I was thinking of uh, how to start this thing um, in my time of COVID. Um, yes, it is. It, it needed to be scalable. It needed to be a, uh, available to a larger audience and it needed to be simple. Um, businesses like this, like the dating, the dating space and the uh, startup or you know, app space, creating apps for solutions, definitely. Yeah, it's a, definitely a vertical market. I want to ask you about the. Let's go back to the, the product itself a little bit, and, and kind of the the target itself. Um, I don't know how, and so I don't. I don't want this to be a personal question necessarily, but uh, I don't know how open or able you were to share your relationship kind of experiences with with friends and family. Ha, has there been any sense of stigma? Might be too strong, or maybe it's not. You could probably tell me more because you've had the experience. But I wonder whether it's harder to raise capital in something that's seen as non traditional or a little bit kind of uncomfortable for some people to hear about and talk about uh, or whether there's actually the reverse whether there's funders who are saying no one else is working in this space that therefore we get an opportunity uh, how, how does that kind of go when it comes to fundraising both mindsets it depends on who i've spoken to um those that are in the know will understand that there's barriers of entry for anything within the sex tech space so they're always very cautious others that are not experienced in the field would be oh my god this is a great idea uh, this this would sound perfect anybody anybody that's interested in this would jump on straight away but um going back to experienced uh, investors and, and and people in the space would know that it's difficult to market this in, in like meta and all this kind of stuff so yeah i mean you get automatically blocked so um there are there are big challenges in the space but going back to my relationship I'll, i'm quite open and honest about my my, my experiences, my, my uh, relationship status and things like this. And um, like I mentioned, uh, I was in a non-monogamous relationship most recently. I'm, I'm single now, but my most recent relationship was non-monogamous, yeah. I guess to some degree, though, there's some value in finding a niche where there are enough people in this in this community. Uh, I'll say community, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a broad community, maybe it's not really a community at all, maybe it is, or maybe it's a series of communities. But there's people with that experience who are saying like you, hey, I, I might want to try this or I am trying this or this is who I am or who I want to be. It, it almost, at one level, I suppose, is great for you because once you've decided that's who you are or what you want to do, the lack of lack of competition, um, you know, it makes it potentially, I, I guess, a, a great opportunity for you because you're the, the option. People are saying, well, you know, I, I don't really fit into the current dating app scene because I'm not that, I'm not that, or, I, or I'm more than that, or I'm less than that, or I'm part of this and part of that. Um, this seems like a... A, a, a really nice way if, if there's a large enough market for for this app to have people actually knock on your door and say thank god you're here i've been looking for exactly it. right and that's what we're looking to um tailor our app to it is exactly that market we're looking for people that are not entirely sure about where they fit in they know that they're not exactly monogamous um and they want to start out and you know start monogamish um, because there are other different type of non-monogamous relationships. You've got either that E&M, which has become quite popular as well, which is ethical non-monogamy, which is very similar to uh, monogamish, um, amongst others there as well. So it, it's it's a good entry. Um, we have informative uh, podcasts and things like that that we're connected with and where they would be able to sort of teach people and how to do this ethically um, and morally. Um, so that way you're not harming the relationship that you po- might possibly be in or, or the re- future relationship that you could find yourself in. 
Nice, mate. Let's let's chat a little bit about the, the space. There's been in the past uh, some concerns about user data uh, being accessed by by hackers and others. There've been some issues around fake profiles being created on other sites and that kind of stuff. Um, it's been an area where I'm going to say the, the 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 public experience, at least from the outside, not necessarily the user directly, but the, the concerns or the, uh, the perception of this stuff hasn't always been great. What have you been able to do? What challenge have you had? What regulations are you are you obliged to follow uh, to, to kind of make sure that you don't fall foul of, of some of this stuff, particularly for maybe there are, I don't know the, your community in particular, but maybe there are people who kind of don't want everyone else to know exactly what their relationship status is or the way they're choosing to have their relationships just because of that uh, stigma that can, can, uh, can be brought to bear in some cases. Yeah, okay. So uh, there's a few questions there. We've got the whole the whole bunch of barriers there for um, users to sign on. So first of all, we don't sell data. Um, I've got a seven ways in which we make our money through the app. So once it becomes properly monetized, selling of data is not one we're doing. Um, the other the other part of you mentioned was the security side. We do everything we can possible to safeguard people's users. There are levels there where it's subscriptions uh, where users if they are that concerned about their privacy they can upgrade to a subscription um, and then they have their profiles completely blurred um, and we have safeguards there like in, I mean we collect the users names um, for uh, security reasons but that's not live on the profile every single profile has can choose their own synonym or choose their own nicknames um, on the profiles and, and amongst other amongst other safeguards there um, and then going back to the, the the last part of your question, communities um, they're sort of relatively okay with this because there are it, uh, plenty of barriers there that we've uh, incorporated into the app that um, yeah make it safe for them. Mate, tell, tell me about the larger the larger market here. On, on one hand, we've already talked about the fact that you know being something that's specifically for those who are looking for consensual non monogamy is a, is a pretty niche area, but it also means you've got some opportunity. By the same token, I suppose every startup is is looking over their shoulder to someone else who's you know one of the big dating sites. All of a sudden, offers this as an option or, or something else. Uh, I imagine you always feel like you're kind of on the treadmill, right? You're running just to stay still. You probably, I, I assume, I'll, I'll put words in your mouth, but you're living a paranoid life. You, you're kind of hoping no one else does this till you guys get to scale. That's always been the challenge, and we don't have to look back as far as MySpace and Facebook, right? MySpace was there first; they just didn't get big fast enough, and and Facebook just absolutely steamrolled them on the way past. Um, so I, I assume it's a really hyper-competitive space. How are you thinking about making, uh, you know, kind of expanding that niche or, or maximizing the value from that niche before someone comes and and kind of knocks on your door and says, "We're taking your customers." Thanks very much. Yeah, you're, you're right, um, and I think it, it just goes back down to our branding and our focus on what we're trying to do. Since we created the app, Hinge has in, included a, a section where you can choose your own relationship structure there. Tinder has done also as well. You can put down there that your open relationship, but it still doesn't work as well as having an actual space specifically for this community. Because um, although you have those uh, sections that you could do and, and put into your profile uh, on the Tinder and the Hinge, most of their market is relatively conservative, so they're not really open to these uh, types of relationship dynamics and not only that do they not only they, they don't teach people within that space either so if you're in a couple and you're looking for a something a little bit serious you're not going to be able to find it on that even though they've they've, they've created they've put those things in there for the app 
So yeah, it's more about fostering the right uh, community within the app. Right, I guess that's kind of it, right? Because to your point, because this, I, I don't, I mean, I've got no experience with it, so I, I'm only going to work on what I've, I've hopefully, uh, you know, read a little bit about and understand a little bit about, but I don't, I don't claim to be an expert. But I guess if you're going to have a non-monogamous relationship, the, the word there is relationship, right? And you, you need to, to make this work for everybody. It kind of needs to be uh, a, a more engaged, kind of deeper process rather than just the swipe right you hook up someone for a night you never see them again or maybe you see them a second time maybe you marry them but either way you start with a very very low base there's, there's not a lot of complexity to that almost by definition i suppose because of the the types of relationships you're you're providing or allowing your users to find um it, i guess it does almost require that that extra level of of depth in in the process itself and maybe that does sort of send you guys aside as, as something a bit different correct that's right yeah exactly and with connections and uh, podcasts and things like that that would be able to educate the users on what's ethical around this sort of space definitely helps for a more uh, genuine and better experience uh, around non-monogamy my last one I want to ask you about with the, with this, the, the app in particular or the, or the business in particular, um, I read a, a press release you guys put out. And you, there's a, you list five different things you're, you're trying to do differently or key features you've got. One of them I thought was fascinating was, and you mentioned it a couple of times, this community building idea. And I just thought that was a really – well, firstly, I suppose – you talked about uh, discussion forums, interest-based groups, events, uh, facilitating connections beyond romantic partnerships – uh, it's, it's a very old school in some ways approach to what is a very, very new idea being the app-based kind of approach because it does seem like there is a, an attempt at least, an aim, I'm, I'm assuming for what I'm reading, to kind of buy into the broader community itself, to almost bring the community, and, and community is even too singular, right, because there's all different groups here, but but bring people almost into the fold so to kind of be part of that in a, in a really meaningful way um, I, I mean, an online app hosting an event is, is almost a weird thing in itself. But is, is that something that was kind of built because of a, a really core belief as a business? Or was it just simply a case of we need to do this because we need to show we're part of it or because we need to give open people up to the opportunities? What, what kind of drove that part of, of the monogamous kind of business model? Yeah, it's, it's, it's you mentioned events and so events really stuck out to me. And that's we call we, we'll call them socials. So it's a social event where you use it people that are interested in the space or would like to learn more about the space would like to come up and meet somebody face to face. Um, that's what we're looking to sort of, uh, to host. Um, we, yeah, we, we'll be, we'll be looking to do that in coming months. Um, first, obviously in Australia, um, and <laughs> start close to home and then, uh, and then, and then branching out up into the U S but, uh, it's, it's a social thing. So you can connect with others that are in this space and, be able to sort of explain and talk about how it is and what's working for them um, and go from there. So it just breaks those barriers where it's just online um, and then you're meeting yeah, up yeah, only yeah. somebody just for uh, just for the data, I guess you can call it. But, um, yeah, that's right. We're, we're, we're more focused on fostering relationships and communities um, within the space that would be able to sort of explain how it is working for them and, and how, it, how it all works. Yeah, nice. I mean, last question, I suppose, on this one. In a, in a, I'm not sure the right way to describe this. Is it, we, we have a very, very um, uh, <laughs> reactionary uh, political and kind of media climate right now. We're seeing uh, there's a, a book out recently, his name I can't recall, about ways of talking about sex with your with your kids that has been you know 
take off the shelves at Big W and all that kind of stuff. I should say we're recording this on the 21st of July, so uh, if just a date stamp it. Um, I did see that yesterday, was, actually. Uh, on, yeah, yeah and, and, and they've removed from Big W, yeah. And a part of me is thinking on one hand, you know, that's great PR for this book. Right? Apparently it's now a bestseller because people are like, wow, what are they talking about? Well, I should get it. On the other hand, the, the authors are now having to try and defend themselves and it gets very vitriolic very quickly. How have you thought about that from an monogamous perspective? There are going to be a whole lot of people, maybe even including some of my listeners, who are now saying, this is terrible, I don't like this, relationships are supposed to be you know, one man, one woman, or two people exclusively, or whatever their version of relationships are. Now, um, morally, ethically, we can all have our own views. Mine is kind of people should be allowed to do what they want, but that's, that's, that's just my call. Um, I guess you've gone in with your eyes wide open, right? There's every chance that at some point in the monogamous journey, something happens, this blows up, and you end up being on the receiving end from a whole lot of people who would happily see you torn down either because they don't agree with you or just because it works for clicks and ratings. Um, how have you kind of thought about how to how to run monogamous, how to how to prepare yourself for what might be a a, a backlash from from some in the media and, and social media? Sure. End of the day, monogamish was born out of a need the market is wanting, basically. Uh, there was a recent statistic that just came out which showed that almost two out of three users on Tinder aren't single. So, you know, it's, it's out there. <laughs> People yeah, are doing, yeah. it, doing it anyway, except uh, monogamy has just been the default and people find themselves being, you know, promiscuous and, and cheating and all this kind of stuff and doing it wrongly. We're just simply identifying that, you know, these things happen. How do we identify it in a way which we can ethically approach the situation and find a solution? And that's basically where monogamish is at. Where we, it's a relationship structure where it identifies that you have these desires, you have these type of fantasies that you might want to explore, but you're partnered and you would want to explore it with your partner or, or not. So you just need to be open, honest, um, in clear communications between, between people. Um, and that would help make a way healthier relationship dynamic than if you were to be monogamous and then you're suppressing those fantasies, desires, or, or worse, it's going out and cheating and doing things behind the partner's back. So, yeah, like it, I'm open to negative uh, feedback and criticisms, of course, uh, particularly in those super conservative spaces. But at the end of the day, I'm not really too concerned because it's, it's a market that we're addressing and it's, it's a real problem we're solving. And we're doing it the best and most ethical way that we can. The last, uh, I said the last thing a couple of times, but I, I, the, there was a quote in the, the press release you put out. I just thought this was interesting. I, I, I'm, I, I think to get you to sort of talk to a little bit, um, I, I'm quoting you here, in the, at least in the press release, quote, there is a cultural problem amongst the online dating and networking sites where the accessibility of being able to speak to each other is resulting in racism, sexism, sexual phobias, and threatening behaviours negatively impacting the mental health of society, end quote. And I just thought that was a, a really, um, again, look, I'm, I'm married. I haven't been on a dating site in a very long time, uh, but and maybe I shouldn't be surprised these sort of things happen. They happen everywhere on social media, I suppose, anyway. Um, how, how have you tried to deal with that? Is it just because of the, 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 the people you're self-selecting in or is it, is it part of the app, part of the business model? Um, how, how does monogamy avoid that when others, uh, at least by your uh, you know, reckoning, are, are suffering from exactly that thing? Yeah, really good questions. Um, we do. It, it's part of the community. It's part of it, it's all built in the app. There are reporting tools and things like that and we don't stand for any of that type we don't tolerate any of that kind of garbage, but it, it, it does happen. Um, I mean, it's not so much, and we haven't had one yet uh, on our platform as yet, fortunately, and not in as far as I know. And then you get those 
those uh, people, that, odd people that will jump on and just want to rant at it, rant at it, or just a fire and attack you for whatever reason. Um, yeah, but um, fortunately, it hasn't happened on the plat- on the platforms yet. I mean, we are still growing; we are still early days. Um, so, but I don't particularly see it being targeted. Um, I think it's we're creating a safe and community amongst ourselves and we're not harming anybody else outside of our space so i i don't really necessarily see people wanting to come in and, and ruin something that's working well for us here Man, i'm going to get to our favorite questions at the end but but one last one uh I, we, you know at the motley Fool, we're long-term investors at the good oil i try and talk about long-term businesses so let me ask you the the story for monogamish five years ten years from now what's the what is the business plan uh, where, where, where are you at? How big are you? What does it look like? Again, don't give anything confidential away, but but kind of you know what, what what are you working towards? What is what does success look like? Success would definitely look like with millions with millions of users. Absolutely, uh, we're running quarterly events and things like that in uh, multiple areas around Australia, US, and London. Is our target group for the, for the next five to ten years? Basically, being the leader in communicating about what monogamish and what a monogamish lifestyle is. We definitely want to see more engagement and more sort of educational pieces tied in with the app. Uh, so that way, when you're, you know, identified that, okay, hey, I don't want to be monogamous anymore. Where can I go? Monogamous would be sort of your base place to go to. Beautiful, man. I hope you're successful. Let's uh, let's ask your your the, the four questions that our listeners love to hear answers from our interviews and from our guests. Um, I don't know if you're a, a big reader or streamer or podcast listener, but what's on your uh, reading list, nightstand, playlist, uh, Netflix, podcast? What's uh, what's occupying your leisure time at the moment? Oh, mate, I, I run two businesses, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I really don't have much leisure time at all. Um, I recently did get away to Ibiza for a little uh, holiday. Oh. Mate, it was amazing. Yeah, um, and I did get. I, I have been. I'm reading Jay Shetty's Eight Rules. Eight Rules of Love. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Would recommend it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it is geared a little bit towards the, the conversation. Is a little bit towards monogamy, but that's okay. There are still all of those rules are still applicable um, to non-monogamous relationships as well. Um, and it's really good. Really easy read. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could recommend that one. Very cool. Now, I'm going to assume you're watching trends in relationships, but what other trends are you watching around the world, whether it's related to your business or just in, in life and business in general? Just AI. We've got a um, – we're, we're, we're looking and exploring options of incorporating AI into the application as well. So that's something, um, yeah, I didn't want to necessarily reveal, but I can reveal. Um, <laughs> well, everybody's doing it. All the dating apps are looking to go down the AI route in, in helping users make – uh, better connections with other other users um so yeah we're exploring that right now and that's a trend nice you've already given us some advice but what other advice would you give to any entrepreneurs thinking about starting their own businesses absolutely do it i would highly recommend trying don't hold back you know your, your days are numbered um so you, you, we are here for a short time but a long time at the same time so there's a lot that can be done in the short time um but definitely go out there and try and find communities uh, or somebody in the space that would be able to advise and help you um, because it's definitely going to be long and hard. Um, <laughs> um, it's going to be a long and hard journey and you definitely want somebody to be in your corner helping you along the way. Yeah, nice, great advice. Uh, my last question, I assume almost all of our guests are optimists by nature. You've kind of got to be. If you're out there trying to build something, you've got to believe you can be successful and it's worth a dream worth chasing. Other than monogamish, what are you optimistic about? Um, 
optimistic in humanity as a, as a whole. I think I think that we, there's a lot going wrong right now, but I am optimistic about us coming out better on the other end. Yeah, there's a lot going on, but I'm hopeful. I think things will be okay. I think the, hum- the humanity as a whole is, is good, so we'll do fine. I, I agree with you. I also hope you're very right. Uh, mate, how can people stay in touch with you, with Monogamish? How can they find out more? Um, yeah, just LinkedIn or Instagram. Um, you can find me on Bill, under Bill Schwab. Uh, pretty easy. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So if it's business opportunities and things like that, or if there's connections um, or sponsorships and things like that, by all means, reach out. Be happy to sort of talk. And yeah, just the personal stuff is Instagram. Awesome, mate. All the best with Monogamish and Bill Schwab. Thank you for joining us on The Good Oil. Thank you so much, mate. This podcast is hosted by me, Scott Phillips, produced by Ed Gooden and imaged by Link Kelly.